Well, good morning uh, to all of you, and happy Father's Day to all of our dads out there. That video uh, did a great job of showing uh, the roles that a dad takes on in their daily lives, and it, well, it didn't even cover all of them. And whether your child is 2 or 22, I think some of you can relate with each one of those roles. And, and this last year, I mean, a dad wears a lot of hats, but this last year might have caused you to pull some out of the closet you hadn't worn in quite a while. Dads, I hope you know how important you are to the health of your family, and I hope you take that role seriously. Your spouse, your kids, they're looking to you for guidance, for, for where to go next, and that means that your spiritual health is so important. Yes, leading your family and following Jesus means teaching them the Bible and bringing them to church. But it also means that you have to be in tune with the Holy Spirit and God's Word so you can lead them in the subtle ways. In many ways, you are the compass for your family. But if your needle isn't pointing in the right direction, you're leading your family down the wrong path. And for those dads that are trying their best to lead their family in the right direction, thank you. It's hard And there may be days that you feel like you have failed. You're not always going to make the right decision every time. You're not going to always react perfectly. But you know what? That's okay. Because sometimes our kids need to see that imperfection is okay too. There is no blueprint. There's no recipe for guaranteeing that your kids will turn out okay. But clinging to Jesus and showing them our need for Him is about the best that anybody could ask for. And so thank you, dads, for all that you do and all that you continue to do on a daily basis. All right, so we are continuing in this series, Win the Day, based on the book written by Mark Batterson. And I I hope that you've been reading along with us. And if you haven't been, well, there's still time. We are on week three out of seven. So you've got plenty of time uh, to go with us on this journey. And we've been trying to deviate from the book enough that you can read the book and listen to the sermons together, and it's not going to be the same material twice. So if you've been reading the book, that's not an excuse not to come listen to the sermons. I'm sorry. Uh, Maybe you're trying to multitask and thought you were getting off easy. I don't know. But uh, we've already covered two habits, flip the script and kiss the wave. And last week, Albans and I told them, uh, when we talked about Kiss the Wave, if you think uh, that this was a weird title, you ain't seen nothing yet, because this week we're talking about habit number three, Eat the Frog. And uh, what better sermon title for Father's Day than Eat the Frog, right? And so uh, on the way out, we'll be giving all you dads live frogs uh, to taste. Uh, but before we get to the frog eating, I-, I want to talk a little about Domino's. Now, per- me personally, a Papa John's guy, but no, not those, not that Domino's. We're talking about the little tile uh, Domino's that you set up and you knock down. Bob Specka was a sophomore at Marple Newton High School when he was first introduced to the math induction theory. His teacher, Mr. Dobransky, likened the theory to the domino effect. And after school, Bob Specka, he went out and bought two boxes of Domino's. He lined them up, 112 Domino's right in pushed one over, and you can guess what happened after that. There was a domino effect. Now, after graduating high school, Bob Specky, he went on and he appeared on the Johnny Carson show to show off his domino, domino toppling skill. In the Guinness Book of World Records, they actually created a category just for him and his accomplishments. In 
1976, Bob Specka set the first world record in domino toppling with a chain reaction numbering 11,111 dominoes. For those scoring a home, that's 11111, all right? Over the next decade, he would break his own record five times, and he would end up topping out at 97,500 dominoes, which to me just sounds like a big mess. But around the same time that Bob Speckett was, uh, was setting world records, a physicist named Lorne Whitehead was doing experiments on the domino chain reaction. And Whitehead discovered that a domino, this little domino, is capable of knocking over another domino that is one and a half times its size. And so just a little two-inch domino can topple a three-inch domino. A three-inch domino can topple a four-and-a-half-inch domino, and so on and so on. It just keeps scaling up its physics. And so it continues to go, and by the time you get the 18th domino, you could topple the Leaning Tower of Pisa, which I guess isn't really fair because it's already leaning over. Okay, so maybe that's not as impressive, but the, the 21st domino, well, the 21st could take down the Washington Monument. Uh, the, the 23rd domino could knock over the Eiffel Tower, and the 27th domino could cartwheel the 160-story Burj Khalifa in Dubai. Now, let's double all the way back to the math induction theory. Instead of a fancy formula, let me give you a little bit of a real-world example. According to this theory, you can climb as high as you would like on a ladder if you start with the bottom rung and then just go one rung at a time. Now, this throws out fear of heights and all that, but if you're climbing the ladder, you can just keep going one rung at a time. And that theory is relatively new, but it actually goes back all the way to the Tower of Babel in Genesis. And you remember, they were building a tower that would reach heaven, and they could climb a ladder and just keep going and going and going. You just keep building up and up. Genesis 11.6 says it this way, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Mark Batterson says it another way, almost anyone can accomplish almost anything if they work at it long enough, hard enough, and smart enough. And the key is what we would call domino habits. The little habits that are actually high leverage habits. And here's what I know. If you do the little things like they are big things, then God will do the big things like they are little things. And so we continue our series, Win the Day, and we've already talked about these two habits, flip the script and kiss the wave. And I, as I mentioned earlier, we're covering our third habit today, eat the frog, and we're going to be talking about creating some new habits this week. And while you may not know what frog eating has to do with any of that, or, well, anything really, <laughs> I hope you'll see the connection by the end of this message this morning. Mark Twain once said, if you ever have to eat a live frog, something we can all relate with, if you ever have to eat a live frog, it's best done first thing in the morning. Why? Because you can go through the day knowing that the hardest thing you have to do that day is behind you. And in all the times that I have eaten a live frog, I can say that he's right. Personally, when I try to eat one just before bed, I get bad acid reflux, it keeps me up all night, and Tums just doesn't seem to touch it. Okay, I've never eaten a live frog, and really nobody I know is eating a live frog, but you can see the point, right? If you have something difficult facing you in a day, you would want to get it out first thing in the morning, 
And that way the rest of your day is easy in comparison, or you don't even have to worry about it anymore. Otherwise, that difficult thing, whatever it is, is just hanging over you like storm cloud in the cartoons, right? It's just following you all day long until you actually do it. And yes, the procrastinator inside of us would say, ah, oh, just put it off. I'll just keep putting it off, putting it off right? But this truth is, is there that you might as well eat the frog in the morning and get it out of the way so you don't have to worry about it anymore. Now, according to a Duke University study, 45% of daily behavior is automatic. It's habitual. Habits are the way that we put things on repeat. And without our ability to automate these things, we would have to relearn every single thing we do every single day. And this is one of those moments that makes me stand back and just be in awe of how amazing our God is because this is something that God is responsible for. We are wired by Him that we will be able to automate our daily task in this way. So habit creation is actually a God thing. And habits, they save us an incredible amount of time and energy, making our daily routine so much easier in the process. Unfortunately, and I think we all know this, not all habits are good habits. So for all the good that can come from our habits and all the time that we save, when something becomes second nature, well, you don't really think about it anymore. Just, you don't give it a second thought, you just do it. But that's problematic for our bad habits, right? And when we get stuck in our bad habits, we find ourselves doing this, these things over and over and over again. We don't even think about it. Maybe it's the way that we eat or the temptations that we give into. And that's why we need to stop and deconstruct and then reconstruct our daily habits. If our habits are things that we do without even thinking it, it's just second nature, and then they are bad habits, then it's time to stop and think about them. And there are a lot of ways to do this. One way is to to study other people and hack their habits. Now, I'm not telling you to go to the mall this Saturday and people watch and try to just imitate people. That might get you punched. But I do mean that finding people that are successful with something and seeing if you would be able to emulate their habits in your own life. A friend of mine recently said that when you consider a, a diet or a workout plan, then you should look at the person that's promoting that to see if they have achieved results that you would like. Because is a diet or a workout really worth it if you're not going to achieve the results that you're looking for? And isn't that true? It's not just true about diets and workouts. It's true for other habits as well. Good habits or bad habits, you're not going to emulate somebody's habits if it's not going to lead you to the results that you desire. And as we deconstruct and reconstruct our habits, it starts with self-evaluation. You've got to identify your strengths, your weaknesses, your opportunities, and your threats. You've got to do some honest evaluation of you and your habits in order to change and grow. But honesty doesn't mean pessimism. Some of us, when we are honest with ourselves, we have to be hard on ourselves and bring ourselves down. That doesn't mean that you have to be a pessimist. It just means you have to be real. As I mentioned earlier, Batterson has this theory that says almost anyone can do almost anything if you work at it long enough, hard enough, and smart enough. If you're willing to put in the work, almost any of us can achieve almost anything if we work at it hard enough. 
Now, yes, there are some natural barriers to this. So before some of you start training to be an MBA center, realize that 5'6 isn't really a good height for that. So maybe that falls into the almost anything, all right? Be honest with yourself. But this isn't a self-help Tony Robbins motivational speech this morning. It's a stewardship issue. It's about making the most of your time, talent, and treasure that God has entrusted you with and blessed you with. It's my utmost for his highest. It's not just cultivating good habits, it's cultivating God habits. So this morning, we're going to be talking a little bit about habit switching and habit stacking, and then reverse engineering some goals to turn them into daily habits. But before we do that, pick a habit, any habit in your life. It can be physical, relational, emotional, mental, financial, spiritual, whatever it is. For the sake of simplicity, I'll give you a couple of examples. It could be something like doing your age and sit-ups or push-ups every day. It could be keeping a gratitude journal with a daily quota. It could be five minutes of meditation or a daily Bible reading plan. Pick a habit, any habit. Whatever it is, you have to make it measurable, you have to make it meaningful, and you have to make it maintainable. And so let's break those three down. First, you have to make it measurable. If you wanted to run a marathon, you wouldn't just wake up one day and go, all right, here we go. I'm going to run a marathon today. 26.2, I got this, right? I don't care how athletic you are. There's no way you could just wake up and do that and, and be okay. You would tear a hamstring or three, all right? No, you have to start a, a training plan and do a lot of training runs over several months to get ready. You have to build up to it. A training plan makes your goal measurable. Your goal of running a marathon makes it measurable by turning it in to daily habits. And so whether it's that or reading your Bible more, losing weight, whatever, these are hopes, not habits. You make these hopes measurable by joining a reading plan or counting calories or mapping out your miles. And once something is measurable, then it's manageable. Your end goal may seem unattainable when you first start, but by breaking it down and making it measurable, it becomes manageable. You build up on it slowly, and eventually, you've achieved your goal. Second, make it meaningful. What is your why? What's the reason, your motivation behind what you're trying to achieve here? What is your why? Recently, I have recently lost weight, and I, my why isn't because it's beach season or I'm trying to get some six-pack abs. My goal was to take some extra weight off of my frame and lower my blood pressure to give myself a better chance at being around longer for my boys. My why is my family. So what's your why? What's the reason behind your goal? What's the reason behind your habits? Is it to grow closer to the Lord through prayer? Is it to develop your faith so you can defend it easier? Is it to prove yourself that to prove to yourself that you can do almost anything if you just put your mind to it? Is it to honor a family member? Sometimes we can, what makes a habit meaningful is by doing it for somebody else. Maybe it's about changing your story and flipping your script, doing it for the third and fourth generation beyond you, and that's your legacy. Third, our habits have to be maintainable. It's okay to dream big. I hope you dream big. I hope you've got big dreams, but you have to start small. 
You are capable of more than you can imagine, but consistency beats intensity every day of the week and twice on Sunday. You have to do it for a day, and then you have to do it all over again. I see so many people online, they get these big dreams, these big goals, and they they start a YouTube channel, and they say, man, I'm going to rock this out. This is going to be awesome. And they make a trailer and all these things, and then you check in on them four four months later, and they're they're nowhere to be found. They haven't posted in a week and a half. The same thing happens every year, every January 1st. How many people join the gym? And then they're gone by February, right? We get really excited But consistency beats intensity every day. So do it for a day and then do it all over again. Build on the success of each day. That's how every goal is accomplished. And maybe it's about turning your life around and avoiding temptation or breaking addiction. Their goal is to break it, but every day you have to break it down and say, I can do it for today and I can do it tomorrow. See, the good news is that anybody can do anything for a day. Make it measurable. Make it meaningful. Make it maintainable. You can do this. Whatever you're trying to accomplish, you can do it if you break it down. And so this morning, I want to talk about two techniques to help us eat the frog. And the first is habit switching. And in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus says some pretty fascinating things about as it relates to habit formation. In Matthew 12, 43 through 45, Jesus says, when an impure spirit comes out of a person... It goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied, swept clean, and put in order. Then it goes and takes seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. Why is that person worse off? Because it didn't cultivate the spiritual disciplines necessary to back up the divine deliverance. God can deliver you in a day. He is powerful enough to do anything. So He can deliver you in a day, but you have to cultivate the daily habits that back up that miracle. Remember in the first message of the series, we said you have to change your thinking before you change your behavior. Your mind has to be renewed in order for real change to happen. If would elect to have gastric bypass surgery. You can't just go in and say, all right, I want to have the surgery. No prep. I'm, just gonna, I'm here to have the surgery. And they would go, they're, not gonna, they're gonna turn you away and say, whoa, whoa, you got a lot of steps before that. So you have to renew your mind and your habits. Otherwise, you could face some serious health risks. The Cleveland Clinic says that you must recognize whether or not you have a food addiction and, and suggest seeking out a mental health care provider to help you understand the role that the food is playing in your life. Otherwise, you could actually hurt you more. And it's the same with anything else, especially your faith. If you're not in the right state of mind spiritually, will the miracles that you witness and that you ask for really help you? I mean, how many miracles did Jesus perform while he was on this earth, yet in the end people still doubted his authority? How many times has God shown up in your life, yet you still get angry when he didn't show up last week in the way you had hoped? We're such a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately culture, and we try to transfer that over to our expectations of God. Instead of actually cultivating our daily habits and our spiritual disciplines, we just keep asking God to keep showing up and performing miracles. God, I just need you to show up for me right now. I need you this time. I need you to be there. And we don't do the background work. Listen, there's nothing wrong with asking God for the super. In fact, he tells us to ask for the super, but we have to be doing the natural on the back end. 
We have to cultivate our daily habits to back up the miracles that we're asking Him for. If you've developed a, a, a bad habit, you don't just break it by not doing it. I mean, that might work for a week or two, but it's not a long-term solution. Spiritually speaking, you just don't stop sinning by not sinning. I mean, you, we probably, a lot of us have probably tried that before. Just stop doing that, right? Paul says, all, Paul says that he keeps doing what he doesn't want to do. He can't help it. And so if it was just as easy as saying, I just stop, I mean, that'd be great, right? But that's like somebody saying, don't think about hamburgers. Okay, what just went through your mind, right? Hamburgers. You know, yesterday we had our demo day out here and we grilled out some hamburgers. And uh, what we have found out that if we grill on the back, then the smoke from the grill comes in here, right? And so I, it might have been gone by the time you came in here today. But even this morning, it still smelled like grilled hamburgers. And I was like, it's all part of the plan. You know, we're, I, I, I'm going to make sure they're thinking about hamburgers this morning. In psychology, there's something called a, a double bind. And it's like if I say to be spontaneous, you can't be spontaneous. Or if I went to you and say, okay, be funny, uh, you can't do that. It creates a no-win situation. And I think the same goes for the temptations we face or the addictions that we're trying to break. I mean, I wish that eating the frog was as simple as saying, just say no. I mean, wouldn't that be a great sermon? If I just came up one Sunday and there was only one point on the screen, it just said, just say no. All right, let's pray. Right? That'd be some that might be the greatest sermon ever. But you know that's not how it works, right? Instead, you need a vision that's bigger and better than the temptation that you're facing. The best way to break a bad habit is by establishing a good habit. We just sang, Lord, I need you, and it said, Teach my song to rise to you when temptation comes my way. So when the temptation comes to you, what is, a, what is a habit that I can form? Is it singing out His praises no matter what it looks like? Is it going to the Word in that moment? And all of that is easier said than done for sure. And it takes time and effort. It takes, it takes willpower, right? Because sometimes our sin, it's hard to talk us out of that. But you've got to reinvest your time, your talent, and your treasure into good habits that will turn in to God habits. In the 1970s, Dr. William Glasser, he wrote a book called Positive Addiction, and he said that addiction is not all bad. Now, for sure, negative addictions, they will destroy your life one drink, one click, or one hit at a time. Positive addictions, though, they actually have the opposite effect. I mean, in a sense, if we think about it, all of us are addicts. We are all addicted to something. The question is, are they positive or negative addictions? Are they holy or unholy? I think if we were honest with ourselves, we could all admit that we could all afford to complain a little bit less, right? All of us. But you don't just stop complaining. You have to habit switch. Let me give you a, a simple example. One of the best things that you can do if you have a habit of complaining that you want to stop is to keep a gratitude journal. It can turn somebody who has the ability to complain about anything into somebody that is grateful for everything with just that one little habit switch. So keep a gratitude journal every single day and write down one genuine gratitude when you wake up in the morning and then rehearse it and recite it all throughout the day. And sooner or later, you're going to start flipping the script on your life. Why? Because it sanctifies the reticular activating system. The who's it, what's it? 
the reticular activating system, which is the part of the brain that's responsible for what gets noticed and what goes unnoticed. Over time, you begin to notice the negative less and appreciate the positive more that's going on in your life. You can become somebody who is profoundly grateful for anything and everything that's happening in your life. You begin to see God as your provider and sustainer instead of being entitled and a complainer, thinking that we always deserve to get what we want on our time. You have to habit switch in those moments. The second key is habit stacking. Habit stacking is coupling our daily habits with daily rhythms or daily rituals. One simple way to do this is to turn certain times of the day into alarms. Maybe, for instance, you would start praying every day, praying for somebody or someone, something uh, every day at 7.14, like Second Chronicles 7.14. Habit stacking is coupling difficult habits with simpler habits. Maybe you want to stack your morning coffee with your Bible reading. That way, your morning caffeine can act as an alarm and you say, hey, I've got my coffee. Let me open my Bible and get my Bible done for the day. Now, a lot of ways to do this. Another example, if given the option, take the stairs. Pass up the elevator or the escalator. Take the stairs instead. Or start stacking your habits out in the parking lot. Park the farthest spot away and that way you get in better shape and actually being courteous to those who might need the closer spots. And while the term habit stacking might be new to us, the idea can be found actually back in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And starting in verse 4, we read, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your might. Keep these words that I am commanding you today in your heart. So he says to keep them in your heart, but how do you keep them in your heart? How do you keep them at the foremost part of your brain? And how do you put them into practice then? The answer is habit stacking. Listen to the rest of that, uh, verses 7 through 9. Recite them to your children and talk about them when you are at home and when you are away, when you lie down and when you rise. Bind them as a sign on your hand. Fix them as an emblem on your forehead and write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. See, God doesn't just give us the commands. He couples them with daily rituals. Getting up and laying down, whether you're at home or away. So if you're trying to cultivate a prayer habit, for example, one of the best ways to do it might be doing it first thing in the morning, or maybe last at night. Why? Because those rituals will act as reminders. And this isn't just an Old Testament thought. Have you ever thought about why Jesus chose bread and wine for the Lord's Supper, and then told his, his disciples to do it in remembrance of He chose two of the most basic elements of daily living. It's something that we're guaranteed to require daily. So every time they ate bread or drank wine, every time they ate or drank, period, they would remember Jesus and his sacrifice. And here's the good news. Some of you are already ahead in the game. Some of you are already doing this. You don't even realize it. Because many of you pray before your meals. And so you've already stacked praying with eating. See, you didn't even know. You're already doing it. You might, maybe you hug your, your spouse or your kids first thing when you get home. Or, or you tell your kids or your spouse, I love you before you hang up the phone or before you walk out the door. So you're already doing it. The trick is putting this into practice across the board. And so pick a habit, any habit. You've got to stack those really hard habits 
with rituals and routines that come naturally. Our habits, they shape us. You show me your habits and I can show you your future. I can show you where you're headed. Over time, your, your, ha- your life will become the sum total of your habits. And for better or for worse, good habits always come back to bless us and bad habits always come back to bite us. Jesus says, with the measure you use, it would be measured unto you. In other words, you're going to get out of it what you put into it. And by it, I mean anything and everything from health to wealth to marriage, whatever. How you do anything is ultimately how you will do everything. Daily spiritual disciplines, man, they are so vital to our holy living. We talked about kissing the wave last week, and especially when the times of pain and suffering come, that's when we need to be clinging to our daily spiritual disciplines more than ever. Yet so many of us find ourselves going days or weeks without even cracking open God's Word or going to Him in prayer. And so if you're going to eat the frog, you're going to need a heavy dependence on the Lord, which means you're going to need to start growing your relationship with Him. I mean, imagine how much better your marriage, your family life, your job, your role in the community would be if you started allowing God to do more things, if you started allowing room for God to do more through you. Listen, there are people relying on you every single day. Whether you realize it or not, they're looking to you. We said a couple weeks ago that you might be the only Bible that some people ever get to read. People, are, they need you every day. And how much more could you affect the lives of those around you by growing closer to God and allowing Him to work through you? But how can you do that if your spiritual disciplines, your spiritual habits are non-existent? And these should be the habits that we focus on first. I mean, losing 50 pounds or running a marathon, that's great. Congratulations. If you're far from God, it doesn't mean anything. Jesus said in Luke 9, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world, everything, and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Now see, it doesn't matter how many trophies we get, how many things we win, how many promotions we get. It doesn't matter how much weight we lose, how many marathons we run. If we don't have Jesus at the center of our lives, it's all null and void. So start switching your habits and cultivating ones that will allow for a miracle in your life. Start stacking habits to remind you to grow closer to God daily. Start treating the little things like they're the big things so God can do big things like they're little things in your life. Friends, this morning, let's knock over the first domino and just watch what God can accomplish through you. Let's pray. Father, you are you're awesome. You're so amazing. And as we celebrate Father's Day today, I pray that we would not forget in the least that the ultimate Father, our Heavenly Father, you are just amazing. You love us so much. You do so much on our behalf. And I pray that we would see that, that you are always working for the good of those that love you. Sometimes we don't understand it. Sometimes it's a mystery, but I would rather follow and worship a mysterious God than one I can understand. Father, I pray for those that might not have a good experience with an earthly father, that they would not let that hinder how they see you as our heavenly father, that they they would know that you are perfect and you are holy and that you love them. 
and that the sins of this world would not diminish our view of you. Father, I pray for those that are dealing with missing their father this morning. I pray that they would lean on you in these times. Sometimes Father's Day is just a really hard day. And so, Father, I pray that we would lean on you in times of our pain and suffering and know that you are close to the brokenhearted and the crushed in spirit. Father, this morning as we talk about this habit switching and habit stacking, I pray that we would know that none of it matters. No other habit, no other goal matters if our ultimate goal is not to grow closer with you and not to invest in you. And so I pray that we would take care of that first and foremost. That as we leave here this morning, we would start this domino effect that says, I'm going to grow closer to you, God, and I'm going to grow, put Jesus at the center of my life. And that way, anything else I can accomplish in this life, anything else I can do is all gravy after that. Because I have a relationship with my Heavenly Father. Father, I pray, I just, I thank you for wiring us the way that you have that we get to see your amazing work on display daily. And I am so thankful that you allow us to be part of what you're doing on this, on this earth. And I pray that we would take that seriously and we would reach people for you. That they would know that they are loved by you, that Jesus has gone to the cross for them and defeated death so that we may have eternal hope. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you come here this morning and you have never given your life over to Jesus Christ, I pray that you change that this morning. I hope that you would change that this morning. All of this, all the habits in the world mean nothing if Jesus isn't the center of our life. Jesus told his disciples, apart from me, you can do nothing. And so all the accomplishments that you could stack up in the world, all the things you could do in this world, all the things that we get so entangled with in this world mean nothing apart from Jesus Christ. If we are not connected to the vine, then we're just floundering out there. And so I pray that if you've never given your life over to him, that you would change that today. That you would come forward. There's no better day than today to come forward and say, I want to give my life to him. I want to make him my Lord and Savior and my King for the rest of my life. I want to submit my life to him. So if you never made that decision this morning, I, I just ask you to come and, and talk to me. We can get you baptized in front of all these witnesses to say, my old life is gone. I am a new creation in him. I've been washed as white as snow. And I want to celebrate with all these people. So if you've never made that decision, please come talk to me. If you need prayer this morning, if you have been dealing with the storms of life, if you have been struggling with things, if you just need somebody to pray over you, you just... We believe so much in the power of prayer here at Gateway. I would love to pray with you. Be in your situation. Let's let God do a big thing by doing the little thing of going to Him in prayer. That is our ultimate weapon. And so I would love to pray with you this morning. Maybe you want to come after the service or sometime during the week. You can scan our QR code all around the room and, and submit through the information card. We, we love praying over whatever might be going on in your life. Individually. Praying over that and letting God go to work. Because we believe he can do it. So whether you need to make a decision this morning or just need some prayer, I would love to do that with you. But at this time, I just ask that you stand and sing our final song together.